With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that was delighted that we were playing again because it gave us something to talk about. This week on Heart and Hand, and the game was postponed. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm joined this week by my guest, Mr. Alexander Staff. Hi, David. How are you doing? I would have been doing a lot better had we had a game to talk about, Alex. I'm not going to lie. These winter breaks <laughs> are long. Well, yeah. Um, it was a bit of a double-edged sword. That way, obviously, it would be nice to be able to talk about that, but uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie. There was a small part of me, not just from a personal point of view, because I was lying in bed hungover, but... There was a small part of me almost glad about it because, you know, rubbish weather, heavy pitch, big game coming up on Wednesday night, you know, week campaign to kick off again. I, I feared the worst with some injuries with some of our players, I'm not going to lie. So well, let's, let's crack straight into that then because we've got a few things to talk about, obviously. Like being Rangers, the world of Rangers never stops. So uh, although the game is, if you like, always going to be the tasty main course to, to chat about on our shows here, there is always... Always a, a good buffy selection of stories to talk about. But uh, I was going to do the Aberdeen preview later, but that kind of kicks us into it. Now, is it a double-edged sword, uh, to, to borrow your phrase there, in terms of, on the one hand, Aberdeen are back and they had a game and we didn't, so you would think that would leave us fresher. On the other hand, is it a case of Aberdeen maybe shook off the ring rust on Saturday and we haven't had that opportunity yet, and thus they would maybe go into the game feeling that they would be liable to make a better start on Wednesday night. Yeah, to be honest, I think because of the level of opposition and obviously Grace, the respect to Fraserburgh, but, you know, Aberdeen are playing a, a team in good form and, you know, a, a well-run team in St Mirren. And um, I don't know if you've seen any of that game. I did. Uh, I watched maybe the first 60 minutes of it so before I had to leave and uh, they, they ran all over the top of them. Aberdeen really did. I was surprised by how open St Mirren played actually Aberdeen gave him a good doing uh, the scoreline was very reflective of it but I thought that 
uh, you know, regardless, we probably wouldn't have played our strongest team against Fraser and you know, it, it wouldn't have been the biggest test, really. You know, we, we might have made heavy weather of the game. Don't get me wrong, that could still have happened, but uh, you know, it wasn't a game which was going to get the sharpness up. So I think Aberdeen always were going to have that slight edge anyway. What we need to hope for, I, I th- actually, I think it will change the starting lineup for us slightly. Um, because now we couldn't give the new signings who need minutes, we couldn't give them 60 or 30 minutes or whatever on Sunday. So I don't know if he'll want to start too many of them together on Wednesday night because of that. I think looking at it, I mean, the team that I believe will take to the field tomorrow, all, you know, fitness being what it is, and tell me what you think of this, I think we'll go 4 2 three, one. And I think we'll go with, obviously, Wes and Gold back four of Tav, Martin, Wilson, John, Goss and Holt in the, the holding midfield roles. In front of that, I think you'll get Candace, Windass and Murphy. And up front, I think you'll see Morelos. That would be what I think will be the starting line-up tomorrow night. Um, what, what would be yours? Or Wednesday night, sorry, this is Monday. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think if, if we go 4 2 three, one, I think the only difference you'll see from the team that you've got, I suspect they'll start Halliday instead of Goss. Okay, yeah, that's a shout. That's that is a shout. Um, just, I think you know he'll he'll see Halliday as a bit more match ready and a bit more uh, ready for the physical side of of the game because Aberdeen are that sort of team. Um, you know they do like to to try and impose themselves physically on other teams as part of their game. So I think he would he'd maybe play that asset. I wouldn't be surprised if we get back to the diamond midfield for this one, no. Um, who, who, see, who's capable though of playing the role the way McCrory does because I don't necessarily see anyone who's currently fit who can do it to that level and I think it would be incredibly unfair uh, of Marty to ask Andy Halliday to do it for the simple reason is I think we've got an ample bank of evidence that uh, Andy Halliday is not good at that single only holding player role I don't think it suits him at all no, it doesn't. Uh, but what I think he would try and do is almost share that load between Holt and Halliday. Um, bring in Goss to, to sort of be the, the composed deep line playmaker. Um, probably play Holt deeper, actually. Let Halliday be a bit more box-to-box. And then have Murphy sitting behind Windass and Morelos. Um, it's interesting, even Graham Murray seems to have forgotten this. Morelos hasn't played against Aberdeen yet. Oh, um, yeah, of course. So it was it was Miller and Windass in the games when we played them at that point because obviously Morelos was injured for one and then on the bench for the other. Even though Murphy said himself, well, we had Morelos and Windass up top last time. Um, you know he seems to have forgotten as well. But uh, so they, you know he's not played yet, and we know what he can bring to the team even if he's not scoring goals. So he might feel a bit more confident in playing the, the kind of four two three one and just having Morelos up there because you know he's a bit better with a hold up play and things than anybody else we've got. That's the two. That's the only two sort of teams I can see, and I, I do think that if he goes the four two three one, you said that I've got a suspicion Halliday will start in front of Goss, but I think that that side, you know, you're pretty close. If we decide to go with that system, um, there's not, despite all the, the, the talk of a huge squad, we're not quite at the stage yet where because of injuries, where it's uh, it's too difficult to pick. 
Yeah, there are uh, still players missing, and uh, to be honest, these reinforcements have come at a pretty good time because if we were going into this without Goss and, and even the likes of Halliday back, but um, if we were going in without that and not having McCrory, not having Jack, then it would leave us pretty short and in that middle area. I think we we would certainly be struggling, and Aberdeen, of course, are, are quite strong in there and would fancy their chances. But uh, I, I think one thing I'd like to talk about, Alex, is both of us and everyone I've spoken to, when naming their sides or talking about you know how they'd line up, all of them say Russell Martin is going to play. And that's not necessarily people who have been huge fans of Russell Martin in the past. I think a lot of that has because of the way that Graham Morty has spoken about about Russell Martin, that I think it's become very apparent and I know that some people felt when he arrived or when we were linked with him before obviously he's done interviews with the RTV and whatnot, that he was being signed as cover and I didn't think so because my, you know, having heard them and I think it was Chelsea Norwich Cup tie uh, he was saying he has to go out and get first team football and I thought well the, the guy's not going to leave Norwich's bench to come and sit on our bench, that's clearly not something that that would make any sense for him. And then when you heard Graham Murty talk about him as you know a leader, a wonderful professional, he's a, a guy that I really wanted here. I think it's become quite apparent that this is a guy that that Graham Murty really wants to hang his hat on. He's he's certainly not bringing him here to be cover. No, um, if anything, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he's. Uh, you know, if it takes Lee Wallace longer to come back, I would not be that shocked to see Russell Martin as our captain towards the end of the season, uh, given how highly Murray seems to rate him that way. Uh, uh, we're not we're not in a position yet where we can go and get a guy like Russell Martin and stick him on the bench. No, well, no, uh, that's true. I know a lot of people don't rate him. I think, you know, I know a lot of Rangers fans don't particularly rate him, but I think that he'll, he'll prove to be good. I, I don't know if he'll be great, It'll prove to be good. It'll be better than you know a lot of people's expectations. And as I say, in that respect, you know we can't go and get a thirty-two-year-old with his level of experience playing in the Premiership and high-end of Championship for so many years. Scottish internationalist. No, we're we're not signing players like that to be bench players anytime soon. So yeah, he's a a pretty certain he's starting on Wednesday actually, um, which is possibly slightly harsh on Bates, but. Uh, you know, I think that sometimes you, you prove the team, even when someone is playing well, if someone better is available. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. You pick the best players, uh, even if it is sometimes harsh on especially younger players. I'm a great believer in that. But the other thing that I would say when people, as you say, oh, I don't rate my son play for Scotland, and that, understandably, there were certain games for Scotland where he was awful. Um, but I think that that was more to do with the team. I think you could go through the all the players used in those matches and you'd struggle to find two or three guys who, who really acquitted themselves well in some of those performances. But if you look at, and this is obviously just, you know, possibly comparing apples and oranges, but I think it's comparing maybe, you know, green apples and red apples. I think that there is still a valid comparison here. If you look at Christoph Berra and the level that he's played at since he's returned to Scotland, guys who have had good careers down there and you could extend that to Clint Hill who came to Rangers and was completely you know over the hill and that's not in any way a knock on Clint Hill it's just a fact he was you know uh, age had taken its toll and he still did fine you know wasn't fantastic but did fine but still you knew that if he'd arrived three years earlier he would have looked you know like the best defender in the league Berra's arrived had a great start guys who are playing at that level 
should absolutely be able to come up here, fit in, and look like they know what they're doing almost immediately. Because it is a higher level, but it does contain that same physical element that maybe puts off guys who come from better leagues but that aren't maybe used to that in-your-face physical challenge. And you get the impression that Martin should be able to handle that. He'll handle that fine. Um, Plus, he's the sort of player who doesn't tend to have long spells out or niggly injuries or anything like that. Um, and a lot of that's to do with how well he keeps himself fit um, and he's, he's 32 now you know he's not past that stage anymore you know where injuries start to take their toll so he uh, yeah Christoph Bear is a great comparison actually because the two of them are playing at a very similar level not so long ago mm. and both were considered two of the better defenders in the English Championship um, not that long ago as well Bear has come up here for hearts and been brilliant to the extent where most Rangers fans must be watching him and going, we should have signed him. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, heard that loads. And, and, you know, that Russell Martin, in my opinion, has proven at club and international level to be a better defender than Christoph Berra in the past. But that doesn't mean he's going to do it, you know, he's not going to, doesn't mean he's going to be better Rangers than Berra is at heart. So there's no guarantee there. But he certainly has the potential to be. If he comes in and makes a similar impact, Hearts on the back of seven games without conceding a goal recently for example if he comes in and makes a similar impact then you know for a, a loan looking at a potential free transfer at the end of the season is a, a very good deal Now two players who have appear to be at different stages of, of injury comeback there was the very welcome news that Jordan Rossiter has returned to training which of course is, is fantastic news for him personally but also for, for the support the other being that Lee Wallace is going to be out a little longer with uh, and his injury because he did uh, an operation to tidy up a few uh, a few issues that had arised in his first. So, Rossiter, should we begin to get excited again, or is it a case of anything we get out this lad as a bonus? Anything we get out of Rossiter as a bonus, especially this season. Um, I don't think he'll feature too much this season even though he's now back in full training and as far as I'm aware it's full training I don't know if it's kind of phased um, but uh, you know it would be nice for him to have a good run no injuries up until pre-season get a full pre-season behind him and then next season he's got a couple of years left in his contract after that let's see what he's capable of we kind of spoke about him before and said that you know it's starting to look very difficult for him to to get to the stage where mentally he will be at his best, you know, with all these injuries behind him, how long is it going to take him to get past that when he's on the pitch? Uh, that, this is the sort of time he needs now. He needs a bit less pressure. People will say, oh, we should loan him out to get him games, but to be honest, I'd rather we kept a closer eye on him than that, you know? No, I can understand uh, that. Kept yeah. him around our training ground and, and, and made sure we were the ones in control of his training, you know? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too, too keen to, to send him away and as much as he might get games elsewhere, you know, we don't know what the hell's going to happen after that. So, so yeah, uh, hopefully anything we get from Rossiter this season may be a bonus, but I'm hoping that, you know, where he stay fit, get involved a little bit this season, that next season's when we finally get to see what he's capable of. Um, and to be honest, that's when decisions need to be made, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting to that stage after a couple of years, not that long left in his contract, that, you know, you need to make a decision either way, don't you? So, um I think that, you know, yeah, anything just now is a bonus, but hopefully in the future we can start to 
to hang a bit of hope on him. Now, Lee Wallace hasn't been somebody that, that we've spoken about much because obviously he's been injured for large parts of the season, but I was a little surprised. I think it was you that told me to go back and have a look at how much football he'd actually missed over the last three seasons. It was more than I, I would have thought, Alex. And there is a question, I think, now, fairly or unfairly, but I mean, this, this is based on, as I say, going back and having had a look at this and being slightly surprised that maybe Rangers should be in the market. We've got Declan John, but maybe Rangers should be in the market for a full-time, you know, like a first-choice left-back because... Um, there are questions about whether Lee Wallace now at his age and just the miles on his body, the wear and tear, if Lee Wallace is going to be uh, that first choice, first team option. Because if it's a case of that you are, if you like, your second choice is playing more over a season regularly than the first choice, you have to think about swapping those positions around. Yeah, yeah. Um this is maybe reminiscent actually when you're doing the, the Advocate Year stuff on, on the Patreon at the moment uh, I think you might be surprised to look back and see how often Arthur Newman was out uh, and Tony Vidmar played left back mm. back those days you know um, there's a kind of similarity there in terms of you know here's a guy who is obviously the first choice left back when he's fit but fitness is an issue and he's at a, you know just over 30 years old age where these things can, if, if they start to pile up, become more of a problem. I think Wallace will be giving this one to recover. You know, if he, if he recovers in five or six weeks or however long it's going to take and then gets a run till the end of the season, I think you'll just see him, you know, seen as the choice for next season. But if he has any sort of breakdown or injury again, then you would hope someone at the club, despite his club captain status, would be saying, we need a we need a more permanent solution at left back. Declan John's got potential, but you know we don't we don't see him as first choices yet. So who do we who do we go and get? Mm-hmm. Because because uh, yeah, it's too vital a position in the way that we play. Yes, it is uh, absolutely. You know, both the fullback roles are too vital. We've been very lucky with, with Tavernier. Like, he doesn't really seem to pick up injuries. You know, he's he's pretty consistently playing, and then when he plays well, he's brilliant. But Wallace on the other side over the past few years has been, you know, a bit in, in and out. Yeah, and and then even when he's been in, there's times where I've been watching him going, I think he's carrying an injury at the moment, and he's never really had that run. Probably, I would say, since Warburton's first season, where he's looked fit, a hundred percent fit. Not, and I'm not saying he doesn't look fit as in due to unprofessionalism. I mean, unfit due to carrying a knock and trying to play through it. Since really that that first spell under Warburton I don't think he's had a consistent run of fitness and been able to to hit his his best form on a regular basis and that's quite a long time now and Rangers I think might need to start thinking about maybe it's a case that, that Lee Wallace is, is phased down and, and I'm a big Lee Wallace fan as, as long term listeners to the pod will know um, I don't subscribe to this notion of oh he, he only stayed because he couldn't get a deal elsewhere. He could have got a deal elsewhere, uh, and no matter what the reason the reason for it was, he did stay. That's all that matters. He did stay at a time when we really needed a familiar face, uh, as many as possible to to help. You know, with we are not a new club, we are still Rangers. You know, and and to 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 remind us, and I'll always appreciate that he did that for us. And I don't care. People can. 
associate reasons towards that all they want. I I was just glad he was there. So I'm a huge fan. But there does come a time when you need to look at what's best for the team and the club. And I do worry that we're getting to that stage. I really do. Now, moving on um, to other sort of transfer rumours. One which completely came to an end is the long-running Stephen Naismith to Rangers thing, which uh, I think we can finally put to bed, at least to the end of the season, uh, but now that he has made his debut for Hearts at the weekend. And a few nice touches. I thought he looked short of sharpness, which is understandable, but a few nice touches from him in that game. Uh, he did look like the, the best player in the park, but admittedly, given the standard of football match that was taking place, I'm not sure how difficult that was. But I wanted to mention this because you spoke about Christoph Berra there. Stephen Naismith is another one where people say, oh, we should have signed him because the one I keep hearing about, oh, he's, he's a cert to score against us. And it got me thinking about this because we can't have transfer dealings and or a transfer strategy that is signing players to stop other clubs getting them. I don't believe that that's something we can do. And I do worry sometimes that people hear a name and think, oh, we should definitely get him. And it's like, well, if we do that and then we also get player X and player Y uh, we're going to end up with a squad of like 53 and they can't all play but yes you're right we'll have stopped Hearts getting them but that can't Alex surely be a motivating factor in our transfer policy No it certainly can I completely agree with that and to be honest we should actually be encouraged at the fact that we not back Naismith because we went and signed Jason Cummings Yeah you know? that, that, that should be surely for years we've complained about this sort of thing you know, that we bring in players who are too old, no resale value, guys who have done it all and maybe don't have the hunger anymore. A lot of this might not have applied to Naismith, but the fact is, we went, you know, as we spoke about in previous pods, if you're not going to sign Stephen Naismith, show us who you are going to sign. Jason Cummings, great, perfect. Yeah. That's the sort of strategy we need to see. And, and, and for once, the club, in this window, has given the impression at least that there's a strategy in place that we're going to approach things the best way that we can. And, you know, if we don't sign a player, it's not because oh, we can't afford them or, or anything like that. It's simply because we have other plans in place, you know. Um, and it's the first time in years that it's felt like that, a long time. So, in fact, possibly ever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, we should actually be encouraged at the fact that, yeah, OK, Naismith may go and do well for Hearts. Um, personally, I hope he does. I hope he does brilliantly for Hearts, except for the games against us. can take points off everybody else if they win. But... It doesn't mean that we definitely should have signed them because we've got Jason Cummings in, we've got Morelos there, we've got Windass developing and plays similar positions. You know, it's like, well, did we just bring him in and, and hold these guys back? Yeah. I, I don't think we should. Um, so, so yeah, we should be encouraged by it. Um, similarly with, with Christoph Berra, at the time, no one was complaining about signing Bruno Alves. No, if, if we'd have signed yeah, sign Christoph Berra and it came out we chose him over Bruno Alves, at the time, there would have been a storm of criticism. Absolutely, there would have. Absolutely, yeah. But if we'd signed both, and Fabio Cardoso, still had Danny Wilson about, Ross McCrory would never have got a game because he came in originally at centre-half. You know, that would have been even more options in front of him. Bates, so, so, who's yeah, started Bates to impress. Well, yeah. um, you know, these boys would have been held back. Um, so, so so again as you say sometimes yeah 
Christoph Berra probably would have done a good job for Rangers, even yeah, yeah. if it was him and Alves. But we can't keep just piling player upon yeah. player, especially in our position. Yeah, Naismith yeah. probably would have done a good job for Rangers as well. I, I don't doubt that. But you have to make choices. And if if you look at the players that we have in that area, you've just said them there. You know, Jason Cummings, uh, Josh Windass is improving, coming on leaps and bounds this season, and Jamie Murphy. Then you know, getting Naismith in really would have just been because. Well, we can, and it'll stop Hearts getting them. And I don't think that that's particularly healthy. And he may well score against us. Absolutely, he may well. I dare say he'll be he'll be champing at the bit to to score against us because almost as soon as the we're signing the or we should sign Naismith chatter stopped, the immediate thing that came up was ah well we'll get him in the summer if he does well. And it made me realise that a little bit like you know the death. The poor and cold play. The Stephen Naismith rumours will always be with us up until he retires. So I suppose I'll just need to get used to that and, and understand that that's always a possibility. Now, other transfer rumours, as we're recording this, no news of any deal for Greg Doherty, but clearly that's something that still Rangers are still very interested in pursuing him. Uh, in terms, though, of potential transfers out, there's two I wanted to talk about, and I'll talk about the or three rather, but we'll talk about the the two I'd say less interesting ones first because I found the third one particularly interesting, quite a lot to it. But the the first two are uh, David Bates, who's out of contract in the summer and is attracting interest, uh, or said to be attracting interest from several English Championship clubs, one of whom is Sunderland. Now. A lot of Rangers fans are not huge David Bates fans, although I think that his performance in the old firm game and previously up at Pitodre, I think has maybe started to turn the tide a little bit on that among Rangers supporters. But uh, from social media and even from friends of, of, of mine and yours, Alex, and mutual friends, there's been, really, championship clubs in England want David Bates. And to me, it's a case of we're underrating one of our own players. The reason they want him is because of his age and his ability and that they're thinking, they're doing what we don't do enough, I think, as Rangers fans, which is they're looking at his positives and figuring, right, we'll work on the negatives because he's 21. We don't do that. We tend to just go, ah, well, he can't pass, which he can't, right? I mean, he absolutely can't. He desperately needs to improve that. But if you were an English club down there and you had that money and you've got this boy available on pennies, then why wouldn't you bring him in? I mean, what, what possible harm is there to do to, to bring in a David Bates? Because if you can develop the excellent defensive now he has, you're going to have a really good player. And if you can't, fine, no harm, no foul, you let him go. And to me, it's an example of us, I think, sometimes focusing on the negative. Whether that's intrinsically a Rangers thing or not, or just a Scottish football fan thing, I, I'd like your thoughts on that. I don't know if it's just Scottish football fans that do it. I think it's starting to become... Um, just because people have got the ability to make a lot more noise now than they ever had in the past um, I think it's starting to become a football fan thing you know in general but, uh, but yeah we do tend to focus on what, what somebody's doing wrong what mistakes are they making you know somebody can do 99% of things well in a game but that one mistake is is then stuck with them for the next game you know oh he always does that you know what I mean like well, nine times out of ten in a game, he doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, but, but yeah, I think that's maybe the case. Uh, to me, Bates is what I think he's twenty-one, twenty-two now, isn't he? Is he twenty-two yeah. yet? Um, young defender, played well in some big games, out of contract. I'm not surprised there's clubs looking at him. Whether they would firm that up with an offer, I don't know. 
And from his perspective, if Russell Martin does come in and take the place straight away, you have to wonder if he's thinking to himself, well, I don't know how my progress is going to go here. Maybe I should go elsewhere. Um, but be interesting because he's obviously an ambitious boy. You know, he made the move, took a chance with a loan deal from Rafe to ourselves, and you know he wants to progress that way. So it'd be interesting to see what his thoughts would be on that. Um, I think you know, that, yeah, does he see it as more of a, a career opportunity if he goes down south? Yeah, I, and I can understand it, but I, I totally understand why clubs down there would be like that. I don't think any English Championship club is going for David Bates as the linchpin of their defence immediately. I don't think he's their star summer signing. I think they're going, OK, he's at contract, yeah, there'll be a, a slight fee because of the cross-border thing. Yeah, fuck it, why not? And and I get that, totally. And I do wonder if sometimes we need to take a little step back and say, let's try and develop these guys. Because, you know, recent history is, is filled with players who've gone down south from Rangers who we've been quite happy to see the back of and they've gone on and developed into expensive players. You know, Charlie yeah. Adam, Ross McCormick to name but two. Um and I, I I think that we sometimes chuck the, the baby out with the bathwater. Another one in that same position uh is Bruno Alves been linked with uh hapless Serie A stragglers Benevento and uh, there's no bid in, but the the keyword I've heard is yet. Uh, it looks as though Benevento certainly contact has been made at some level to suggest, you know, would you be up for this? And if signs were encouraging, they may well firm up with a bid, and I think signs have been encouraging. Um, our friend Scott, uh, latterly of this parish, and uh, listeners will, will know, in between, you know, sending us, sending us abusive messages uh, containing sordid sexual imagery he he pointed out that Alves has been a strange a strange kind of tale so far in that a guy with a huge pedigree maybe a larger pedigree than we were expecting not maybe, certainly a larger pedigree signing than we were expecting arrives in the summer and yet for whatever reason hasn't quite connected with the support in the way that maybe would have been expected, especially for a bigger name who are usually afforded a little bit more time, Alex, before people make their mind upon them because we so desperately want them to succeed. And Alves just for some reason hasn't quite connected with the support, nor has he been awful. You know, it's not been a Contermanesque for six months where everybody's like, could we please get rid of this guy? But I think if he did leave this window, I don't think there would be an awful lot of gnashing of teeth or wailing. No, there wouldn't be many. I mean, I'm a fan of him, um, and I'm sure you know when he, when he leaves. I think it's I, I think it's more when than if personally um, from 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 what's been said. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure if that does happen, then I'll have plenty of debates about that. But you know, those waste of time debates because the players away anyway. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, you're right. It hasn't quite connected, and I think I think some of that. There's two reasons for me. One expectation was way too high uh, it was it was way too high and if you look back it, 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 any defender can struggle in a team that isn't playing well it doesn't matter who you are if a team is not set up well central defenders look poor that's just the way that it goes and you look at some of the goals that we were letting in at the start of the season was down to kind of more fundamental issues than our central defence you know what I mean mm. um, so so that didn't help because he wasn't living up to the expectations many people had for him. And then secondly, he's got that sort of demeanour um, where he looks just a bit too relaxed 
you know? Yeah. Just his natural body language, he looks quite, you know, quite kind of um, uncommitted. He's not, that's not the way that he is, but he looks at, but because of that, you add that to the fact that he doesn't seem to be playing as well as people hoped, um, and then suddenly it's, oh, he's not trying, he's only here because he wants a World Cup place. It might have been that, that might have been his main motivation, but if you think about everything that's happened since he signed, who he signed for, managers away, all the changes that have come in, and he's had about three or four different defensive partners in his time, all the injuries he's had to get to prevent him getting a good run in the team, it's probably not that surprising he hasn't quite hit the heights, really. Um, but, you know, we won't afford him the time to do so because that's just the way we all of it when you're a football fan. I think as well, because of his age, that you kind of need guys, and this is an unfortunate pressure on them, but I suppose if they're arriving at that age, they'll be aware of this, that we need you to kind of hit the ground running, unfortunately, because how long are you going to are you going to be about? Even even if it had gone well, you're looking at, what, two years was, was the length yeah. of the deal. So, uh, yeah, there, there is that added pressure, perhaps, on an older guy that you've got. A, I mean, Russell Martin's going to get it now. You know, he's going in and it's a case of, look, we need you to do it now, not in three months. It's You've got to arrive and, and look the part straight away. So that'll be interesting to follow. Another one I want to talk about, and this, that there's quite a lot to this one, Alex, is Alfredo Morelos. Uh, started the weekend by being linked with a move to Bristol City um, by The Sun. And amusingly, that was shot down by Bristol City's chief scout in Scotland on Twitter 15 minutes after <laughs> The Sun put the story that up. That was beautiful, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have a look at it, it's a guy called Kirk Willoughby. And he he popped this up to say, uh, this is bad journalism, as Bristol City's uh, chief scout in Scotland, I can assure you Bristol City are not interested in Alfredo Morelos. So, uh, straight away, uh, that one get quashed. But, clearly, it means that you would at least hope that someone at the Sun had some noise that people were looking at Alfredo Morelos and hadn't immediately just jumped uh, and made that up completely although if you are today a slightly less charitable look at it I suppose you could say that but there was a story came out by Chris Jack in the, the Evening Times now he's the Rangers correspondent for those of you who don't live in Scotland He the, the Evening Times is the Glasgow local evening paper and it uh, has uh, guys who cover Celtic and guys who cover Rangers and he's the Rangers guy and uh he he is he does have a good relationship with the club and he had a story with no quotes in it but saying that Rangers value Alfredo Morelos at ten million pounds and aren't interested in selling him now. To me, what's fascinating about that is that struck me as Rangers probably for the first time in a long time. Maybe Alan Hutton really getting into the game by saying, and I might be reading too much into this, Alec, and I want you to tell me if, if David, this is complete nonsense, you've let your head run away with yourself. If it's a case of Rangers, I think, realising that they need to set the and control the transfer narrative by saying to a friendly journalist, look, you know, oh, it would take £10 million. I don't think Rangers think Alfredo Morelos is worth £10 million right now. But what they're saying is to clubs who might be interested, we're not going to be easy to deal with. We don't have to sell this guy. We don't want to sell this guy. And if you're going to come in and bid, don't be coming in with two million or two point five and expecting a deal. You can fuck off with that. We've got no interest whatsoever in that. That's not going to tempt us. And also by being the first, if you like, to mention a figure, they prevent other people, be it journalists, whoever, because 
transfer valuations are just subjective. They're just a game. You know, someone comes up with a figure and decides there's no scientific scale to do it on. Sure, there's certain things like length of contract or whatever. But at the end of the day, why is Guy A worth 600 grand and somebody else is worth 850 grand? You know, it, 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 it's subjective. And Rangers, by putting that out there, have controlled that story, such as now if someone was to go and say the £2 million rated striker. Well, it would be nonsense because already in the public conscious and more importantly in the football consciousness is this £10 million figure. And yes, it's an overvaluation of a guy based on what he's done. But what I like is Rangers are valuing him on his potential, which we don't do often enough in Scotland. And to me, I just thought it was a very intelligent piece of business by Rangers, the sort we've seen from across the city for years. Now, sometimes laughably so. I think, you know, Itzigeri was a £10 million player. Rogic was a £15 million. All these players that they go. But they do tend to sell players for more than we do. And it's not always because these players are six, seven times better than the ones we are selling. It's just that they for years have learned that if you tell people the the stuff you have for sale costs a certain amount, they start to believe it. Yeah, I think I think you're correct. I think that two, two things going on, I think, for, for me personally. Firstly, is, is what you've mentioned. It's about kind of controlling that narrative, um, not allowing valuations to come from elsewhere, you know? Or certainly if, if your valuation is going to come from elsewhere, you're going to have to justify it. Uh, you know, Rangers have said that Alfredo Morelos is a ten million pound striker. Anybody else says no, he's not. Well, tell us why he's not then, um, and then that opens up a bit more of a discussion that, that, that people, let's be honest, not a lot of people in Scotland don't want to have because they don't really, <laughs> don't really care about the kind of ins and outs of the, the serious stuff of football. They just want to be able to say something controversial. Yes. Um, you know, we know what that's like. But uh, I think the second thing uh, in this. Could be quite smart if if I'm not you know overreading this as well. Alfredo Morelos looks like someone who at the moment is much. I think he's quite mentally strong, but he's still settling into Scotland. Outside of you know the training sessions and stuff, the only person you ever seen him pictured with was Carlos Pena, who's obviously now away. I don't know how well he's actually really settled. I think his family's just over here now. I don't know if that's a permanent situation. I don't know how well he'd really settled. And you could see when he wasn't scoring the goals in that run, he looked really quite, you know, quite low. Um, I hope that this is a a move where someone has said, tell them that Alfredo Morelos is a £10 million striker, and he'll see that. He'll see that the club have supposedly said this, you know? That the club aren't just willing to say, oh, he's worth a couple of million pounds. The club are actually saying, do you remember that story about Lee Griffiths being worth seven million? Well, we think our striker's even better. Yeah. And it's like a wee arm around him, you know? It's like a wee arm around him and say, this is how good you are. This is how highly we rate you. Um, and, you know, he'll, players pick up on that stuff. They'll try and say they don't read the, the media and all that. I mean, straight away, Alfredo Morelos, his agent, was all over that story. So Morelos knows what's been said. Yeah. You know? And his agent, um, I should point out, did say that he is happy at Rangers. So... Uh, to uh, to me, I think that you can very much read into this that Rangers want to retain him, and it will take a silly money offer to let him go. As you say, they've let the player know this through through these channels to say, well, yeah, that that is what we rate you. At. We think you're a, a cracking player, which is going to be good for the boy's confidence. But like the way the media works in this country, Alex Lee Griffiths seven million pound target. That seven million pound figure came from Celtic. 
because that's what happens, you know, with their players. They tell the media up here because they have a very compliant press and a lot of fans in the media who'll write just whatever they, they're told to. Celtic plant the valuations of their players. They put them out there and it stops you reading things about the, you know, £2 million rated Stuart Armstrong, for example, because they don't allow people who maybe don't have their interests at heart, which very few in Scotland, but still, but they don't allow them... To, to set that narrative and to me this is Rangers getting into if you like the modern transfer business where there's social media and there's whispers and they have started to I hope learn that you control the narrative on how much your player is worth you don't let people who may not like you set that because once it is set it's bloody difficult to shift it I mean if, if it's if people are talking for weeks even if you're not involved in the conversation if people are going on about the 3 million rated Morelos the 3 million rated Morelos and you come out and say we think he's worth 10 then it, it's it's set in the public's mind and in the mind of football no he's a 3 million pound player because everybody's been saying that for ages and it becomes difficult to change that perception and in football perception is reality yeah, yeah, it's probably doubly important actually for us from now because we essentially had a car boot sale in the summer, mm. you know? We just took a load of players who were worth far more than we sold them for and said to the English Championship, there you go, how much, how much are we going to give us? I will take that. Yeah. We'll take that. You know, like, look, ridiculously low fees for players that we should have got far more for. Um, even, even, if, even if those players weren't, going to be ultimately good enough for Rangers long term we should have still got far better transfer fees than we did so that's why we're getting a £500,000 offer for Josh Windass because clubs down there have seen our previous transfer dealings and thought oh we had an easy touch so so yeah through this through knocking back bids like that through, through setting a narrative hopefully Rangers are getting to the stage because it's what we desperately need to do our model has to be bring in players develop them, sell them a big fees, bring in the next one, sell him a big fee until such time as we can start to pay big fees again because mm. we've got so much money banked. Um, so we, we need to be better at setting big fees for our players. Um, it has to happen from now. So, so yeah, hopefully, as you say, someone at Rangers has finally kind of got that message across. Mark Allen, um, maybe? I would hope so, yeah. Um, as I say, there's another... The other aspect is that the players hear this sort of thing. Um... So now you add that bit of confidence to somebody like Morelos. You also add a little bit of pressure to him. You know what I mean? You say to him, we think you're a £10 million striker. Are you going to go and prove it? You know? Yeah. Um, and that's not such a bad thing to do no, either. No, no, really. that's not unhealthy. Um, I don't if, think you think so. he's got the, if you think he's got the ability and mental strength to handle that, then why wouldn't you? So, so yeah, I think that uh, we're certainly doing a bit better. And it, and it also quashes any nonsense about having to sell, mm. you know? Um, because... If someone was genuinely interested in Morelos and was willing to offer half of that sort of figure, if we were desperate to sell, we would have taken it. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, we, we, we'd be punting him out. We wouldn't be setting huge, you know, like yeah. silly figures like that. And, yeah. and I think at the moment it probably is a little bit on the silly side, 10 million. But, uh, again, we don't need to sell him. He's under contract for a while. We've only recently purchased him. He's doing well. The fans like him. You know, you don't need to sell him. I used the euphemism earlier about... Uh, or, or sorry, the, the, the simile earlier about the... It's kind of like if you own your house and it's worth 250 grand and you don't want to move. If someone offers you 250 grand, you're not going to sell it. If someone comes in and offers you 750 grand, you're going to go, fuck it, yes. You know, uh, because there comes a point when a deal just makes too much financial sense. And that's kind of where we are with Alfredo Morelos. 
Listen, Alfredo Morelos is a kid from Colombia who's played in Finland and he's now playing in Scotland, right? He's making his way in the game in the world. He's not going to be at Rangers for 10 years. I think we all have to accept that because either he is too good for the Scottish League and we'll sell him or he's not good enough for Rangers and we'll sell him. So what Rangers, I think, are doing quite rightly at a time when a player is doing well and is valued is to place a value upon him and to start, if you like, creating that image in people's minds. And I, I do that. I think it's sensible. And I do kind of wonder if it's Mark Allen because we haven't done it before. And now he's here and we're doing it. So, you know, might be a case of me two and two equals five, but it might also be a case of Occam's razor that, well, you know, that's the yeah. change. You look at what's different, that's the change. And yeah, like I said, to me, it's sensible. As you say, and I thought it was a brilliant point and totally agree. It's a fucking joke that somebody's coming in and offering 500000 for Josh Windass um, based on his age, his length of contract, the form he's been in the last few months. It's nonsense. The fact that he was rated in England before he left Accrington, he's still young. It is just, why would you do that? Why would you do that? It's, it's, it's way, beyond, way below market, market value. And it's because... Rangers have sold players for five hundred grand. So Barry Mackay five hundred grand sold Wagon for a million. And because we've done that, you're right. People think, well, there's no need to go in with high prices there because you know they're they're always quite happy to do business. And then on top of that, we get the ever continuing Timmy machine myth making that we have no money, we're desperate to sell. So this kind of thing combats that. Yeah, it does. It's exactly the sort of noise we needed to make. Um, in my opinion, you know, regardless of, as you say, if you think it's ridiculous or not, uh, transfers are just opinions, and we can apply this to our own dealings. You know, when we're trying to bring players in, uh, I think me and you are, are more than um, more than capable of admitting at times that Rangers have low-balled offers. Uh, oh you yeah, know, yeah, we have. They I mean... tend to tend to kind of work our way up to to where we need to get to eventually, or or you know, somewhere someone down or, or whatever, but. You know we have low ball. We've done that. Every club does that. That's fine. We we, we understand that, but uh, we're not going to we're not going to sit there and say that Josh Windass is only a five hundred thousand pound player. No way. No way. It's much more than that. And there's noise about Tavernier as well. You know, I'm hearing people saying, "Oh, we'll only get about a million pounds from him." That would be an absolute snip if somebody picked him up for that. I mean, yeah. that would be eighteen months left in his deal. Yeah, I know it's not like it's tomorrow, you know, it's not like he's out at the end of the season, but, and you know, and I get that it's only 18 months, but a million pounds for somebody of what he's able to bring to a team would be an absolute steal. So, mm. yeah, it's about time we started to, to set higher figures. We might not get them every time. Um, we might end up doing, you know, might end up being like, a, if we don't time it right, it'll be like a Lovingcrans situation back in the past where we could have taken advantage of a good six months from him and made big money on him. We kept him and obviously that didn't work out. But, uh, you know, overall, he's good a player as he was for us. It never worked out in the way that it was supposed to. But, um, you know, if we can get if we can get most of it right um, and get some bigger fees in, that's, that's the way we're going to progress in the short term because uh, ultimately European money is a wee bit beyond us, sadly, at the moment. Mm. 
Now, before we uh, do our predictions for the game on Wednesday and then head off into the sunset this week, Alec, I want to talk to you about an article that you wrote for your blog, Four Lads Had a Dream. Now, for those of you who may know, that's a, a new blog that's that's Alec started up with his friend Stevie Scott Clifford, and uh, <clears throat> it's a very good source of, of, of news and info about Rangers, and uh, obviously Alec's been a part of it. I would clearly recommend that you go and see it, but Alec wrote an absolutely brilliant article last week, I felt, after the Jordan Jones controversy real that said when Kilmarnock accused Rangers of uh, making a bid for a player that he should feel insulted by and we were then treated to Chris Boyd coming out and having a right go at Rangers by saying that there's only one club who do this who lowball offers, everyone knows who it is they did it with Jamie Walker and countless others um, and then he you know, used it to have a, another pop at Rangers all the way through his article and accused Rangers of unsettling Jordan Jones. Alex, I'll let you take up the story from here because uh, I, I would just be stealing all your good points, which I'm willing to do, but you're right here. Yeah. You're right, you know, you're, 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 you're right there. It, it would be difficult. Yeah, um, ultimately, <laughs> what inspired the article, um, and I should point out uh, on that site, I'd like to point out that you know the majority of the work's done by Stevie. He he does a great job there, um, and I tend to just put something in when I feel as though I've got something to say, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, well the done, point Scott. Article, sorry. Uh, well done to to Scotty there. <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, but uh, the the point of that article was not so much about you know our bid being so far away from Kilmarnock's valuation because as we've discussed numerous times already in this. Uh, transfer fees are opinions and you know Rangers opinion of Jordan Jones valuation wasn't the same as Kilmarnock's that's the way it goes that's what negotiations are about and you take it from there the point was the reaction to it the way that especially Chris Boyd made it sound as though Rangers are the only team in history to ever do this you know mm-hmm. no one seems to remember that Celtic went in with an offer of 110,000 for Stuart Armstrong to begin with and ended up signing him for over a million um, you know, or Paul Hartley, I think, was another one Celtic had done it with. And clubs do it all the time. I'm not wanting to point out, you know, just them. It was just two examples that were brought up. But, you know, this, this is what happens. And, and we are on the receiving end of that to an extent here with, you know, clubs offering so low for Josh Windass to begin with. They might come back, they might not, but they've done nowhere near our evaluation of them. That, that, that's football, that's the way it goes. But, you know, Chris Boyd used his, his voice in the daily record. And, it wasn't that a lot of people are saying, Oh, he definitely didn't write this. No, he didn't write it, but if you look at it, it was an interview rather than a column. This wasn't one where he's been phoned for an opinion and then someone's fleshed it out into a thousand words. This was, you know, an interview at a function that he was at. You know, he was giving these quotes, some of them directly. You can tell by the way they were worded, they were direct quotes at times, especially the opening lines. And he's used that to to make Rangers out to be essentially unprofessional to the point of, you know, if, if our behaviour is as bad as he's saying, then we'd be bringing the game into disrepute. But we have said nothing about Jordan Jones. When Graham Murray was asked about it, he pretty much said what we've said, which is, we made an offer, it wasn't acceptable, we might get back in, we might not. That's it. That's all he said. Kamarnock have dragged it on, but we the other one that's unsettling the player, that, that to me was, you know, that, that wasn't a logical argument at all. It didn't follow 
Um, and that was the reason why I thought that was worth bringing up because the focus was always going to be on the fees. That's what football fans like to talk about, you know, transfer fees. That's that's you know, some, we all love that. That's the stories that get the most attention. Yeah. But ultimately, this story went went a lot deeper than that. It was this notion that it's easy to criticise Rangers for behaviour all other clubs display because we're big bad Rangers. Um, and now we've got an ex-player, a guy who is a Rangers fan. And is still employed by a rival club, doing exactly that. And that, you know, if that doesn't sum up the sort of position or the sort of esteem that we are held in by the media, nothing does, you know. Um, and I thought that, you know, people were maybe maybe missing that point, and that was why I could have done the article. Ethical Marnock, and you, like I say, you should read Alex's article. It is an excellent piece. And Ethical Marnock say nothing, and just we've rejected the bid. Rangers bid is far off our valuation. End of story. This story dies down. I mean, look at the Greg Doherty story. It hasn't had anywhere near the same play in the media as the Jordan Jones story did. Rangers didn't comment, as you said. The the comments all came, first of all, from the commandant manager and then the commandant captain. So who is unsettling their player? They caused a week-long media furore, not us. You know, we... we put in a bid, it was rejected. Now, going back to what we've just been talking about, about I, I don't think Jordan Jones is worth a million quid. Okay? I really don't. I don't think Rangers should pay a million quid for him. But it's entirely, entirely fair of Kilmarnock to say, well, we do value him at a million quid. And in which case, you don't have to sell him to us for anything less than a million quid. But all you need to do is say no, which is what you've done, and that the end of it then it's up to Rangers to come in Rangers may say look can we can we meet if you are absolutely dead set on it's going to cost a million pounds fantastic right great see if you can get it elsewhere but to then turn it into as you say this confrontational thing and that is I think endemic of something that happens in Scottish football a lot where it has to be a contest it can't just be Rangers are trying to sign a player they think he's worth one thing Kilmarnock think he's another can we meet in the middle Yes, he signs. No, he doesn't. Somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. That's the way it's structured. And Kilmarnock have used this and used their own player and used his, uh, you know, and unsettled him, as you said, to try and curry favour with their fans and the people in Scotland who don't like Rangers. That's exactly what they've done. And if you look at, say, the way Hamilton who have been in talks about Greg Doherty for over a week now, have rejected bids from Rangers, but how they have conducted themselves against how Kilmarnock conducted themselves, it's a totally different story. And in terms of it's only Rangers who... You pointed this out in a story where he said, I, uh, they did it with Jamie Walker, I could name countless others. OK, name them. You know, he, he, name them. You can't because it didn't happen. Now... Jamie Walker, what happened was, the only thing I can recall was that Pedro was asked about it and said, yeah, he's a player he's, uh, we're looking at um, that we like, obviously, but we'll need to see if we can get a deal done. This weekend, Derek McInnes said exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing about a Hamilton Ackies player. Where is the storm? There isn't one. It's exactly the same tactic. So straight away, and Alex's article points us out, there's two logical fallacies. I could name countless others. You won't because you can't name countless others. And there's only one club doing it. Clearly, it, you know, clearly that's not the case. So, again, it goes back to this idea that clubs are trying to get one over on Rangers because the, there is somehow seen to be some advantage to doing so. 
And I find it puzzling, the example being that Hearts, who in the end turned down a bid, the last bid from Rangers was around about 700000 for Jamie Walker, ended up selling Jamie Walker months later when he hadn't kicked another ball for them for three hundred grand. Tell me how that's a good deal for Hearts. I don't. I can't fathom why that worked out well for a Hearts club that have been bleeding money due to this new start. I, I don't. I don't get it. It's maybe just me. Explain it to me, Alex. Uh, Hearts took a risk, essentially, thinking that you know Walker would give them more than on the pitch than we were going to offer them financially. Uh, it, had, it didn't work out. They had to sell them now because there was no point in trying to keep them till the end of the season and not getting anything. And, you know, and that's that. And, and, and Hearts made a big mistake there, I think. Uh, you know, yeah, they got one up on Rangers. Yeah, you never sold as, you never sold as Jamie Walker. You can put that as an addendum to the you never sold as Scott Allen DVD. But, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, ultimately, it, it didn't really work out for them, you know. And, and, and that someone at Hearts, I'm sure, has been asked the question, you know. I would imagine Anne Budge knows what she's doing. She's just had to uh, get the old credit limit extended for the stand and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure at some point she said to someone, what about this 400k we could have had uh, budgeted here, you know? But but there you go. Um, the difference between Hamilton and Kilmarnock in my eyes is that Hamilton are acting professionally, not only for themselves, but with the player. They see Greg Dockery as someone who, you know, a great player for them, a cracking player for them, and he's probably worth more than the offers we've made and I think he's worth more than Hamilton's alleged asking price personally but Hamilton see themselves as a club who do not hold players back and this is why they get so many talented youngsters going there mm, you know there's a list for Hamilton um, there's, there's boys I mean even if you take Ali Crawford not that long ago was being linked with bigger moves it just didn't quite work out for him but this is the reason why you know if you were a parent of a kid at 12 coming in and he's going to go somewhere in Hamilton in a club who are interested in, in developing him as a youngster you would be very open to that because of the way they treat their players once they become professionals they don't hold them back Kilmarnock here are, you know I've described this at the time when we spoke about it on one of the daily updates Kilmarnock are almost like the, the spurned partner in a divorce using the kid to try and you know get their own way and, and make points and get the big moral high ground because, you know, look at me, look at what he's doing to him. No, well, hold on a second, what are you doing by even mentioning it, you know? Um, it's a lot like that. Kamala can't really consider Jordan Jones in this situation. Hart's never really considered Jamie Walker. You know, he, he had to spend months on a, you know, lower wage than he would have had he went to Rangers. Lower opportunities. Yeah, he's got his move to Wigan now, but I'm pretty sure at the time he was desperate to sign for us. Hearts didn't really take that into consideration either. You know, a fair deal could have been made. So, yeah, in many ways, Kilmarnock, by doing this, are, you know, potentially cutting their nose off despite their face. And uh, it won't make sense if... The only way it'll make sense is if they somehow get that million pound from somewhere. And right now, that doesn't seem to be happening, you know? No. Uh, there's no, no noise about that at all. A story which mentioned Norwich... I think Norwich are the new... Do you remember back in the day whenever we were linked to a player under Alex McLeish, Bolton were linked to him? Yeah, it was always Bolton. Every single time. Yep. We always just Norwich beat Bolton, Bolton to a player, yeah. But Norwich seem to go for everyone. They've signed Kenny McLean, of course, scotching any rumours about pre-contract. And uh, you're absolutely right. That there's been so many interlinked Norwich stories with Naismith, Martin, Jones, this window. Maybe it's because they're so far away down in East Anglia 
that uh, it's hard for them to come out and see actually this is bollocks. You know, yeah, they don't yeah, notice. Essentially, yeah, they don't notice um, all of it's going on. It might just be, might just be that we all, you know, all these clubs use similar scouting systems, so it's kind of lazy journalism. You know, yeah, yeah well, if, that, if that scout's looking at them, then they guys probably are as well. You yeah, know? Uh, you're right. It, it could well be, or a well-known face who's a scout for them. You know, and they see him at games yeah. and can can say, well, the Norwich scout is there. So yeah, it could it could well be that. Okay, then, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As I say, uh, Alex and I uh, had planned to talk a lot more about uh, yesterday's match in Fraserburgh, but. You know, so uh, <laughs> um, we 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 hope you enjoyed what we did talk about today. If you have enjoyed it and you like to hear more from the likes of me, Alex, talking about a whole range of things, you get uh, all of that and more on our Patreon site. You just go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, and if you do, you will get tons of content, so much content, you more content than you can shake a shitty stick at. Um, uh, just today, we've launched our new tactics show with Adam Thornton, had guests Ali Bain and Dougie Wright on there discussing. Uh, for those of you. Who like your in-depth tactical things there's a daily update with all the Rangers news and rumours that I do every day there's the Advocate Years Millennial Bears Rangers Bet with the hilarious Jack Shaw uh, there's the quiz there's the Q&As with Ian Hogg there's so much and yeah over 2,000 people now, amazingly, are subscribed to it. And if you want to just go and have a look at the feedback you can go and read the comments uh, and see what the what the users think of it so far satisfaction ratings are very very high indeed please give us a try it's only one ninety nine per month I think you'll enjoy it and it'll stop you having to go and listen to people who hate us talking about us and uh, if you want to be a part of it we're encouraging anyone who's got an idea for a show come on we've got a place now you can put it and we've got an audience there that will listen to it and give you give you feedback and, and let you know how you're doing so so that's a place to go if you want to talk to me on Twitter I'm at ibroxrocks and Alex is at Strider80 uh, just one thing David before we go are we doing predictions or are we going to just just about to ask you <laughs> ok <laughs> go on right, you brought it up um, I brought it up I'm going to say a 2-1 win for Rangers on Wednesday night I am going to say a 2-1 win for Rangers and I think Jason Cummings off the bench for the winner oh oh that would be lovely <laughs> That would be very nice. I, I'm going to struggle with him. I'll say this just now for anybody listening, right? And it's just, I know what I'm like. I struggled with Joe Garner a bit as well. Just, you know, sheer stupidity at that level sometimes just bothers me. But I suspect Cummings will hold a, a bit more of a special place in my heart because he's a better footballer and he's funnier. Yes. Um, and if he scores a winner off the bench in his debut... I'll be watching very carefully to see these celebrations like because I'd imagine it'll be <laughs> pretty fun and then and his after match interview will be even better. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be nice. So yeah, two one two one Rangers is what we're both saying. That's what's going to happen, folks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our track record is second to <laughs> a lot of people's, but you know, at least if you're struggling, if you're in the bookies and you're going, oh, then fuck it, stick a fiver on because that way, if it goes wrong, you can blame me and Alex. So doesn't, doesn't, I can't think of anything better than that. Okay, folks, thank you very much for joining us. Alex, thank you for being my guest tonight. Um, David, a pleasure as always. And uh, I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mightley and Miss Paul Miles. We will be back on Thursday with uh, the reaction to the Aberdeen game and the preview of the Ross County game at the weekend. Until then, thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Cheers. Bye.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.